couple of words. The greatest privilege to be able to address our Creator. That prayer is always available. And I would, as we bow our heads and address the Lord, I'm going to read from Psalm 19, just a part of it. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than the honey from the honeycomb. And by them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own error? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not may they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father God, as we as we see your word printed on a page, those words come to life and faces as we live each day. And Lord, thank you that we can come and worship, that we can hear your word. Father, may we apply it to our everyday conversation, relationship, indeed. And Father, that our testimony will draw people to Jesus Christ who redeems us. And we thank you, Father, for that path, that avenue of prayer to come before you, our hearts bowed, our pride put aside, and our love for you put into word. We ask you to bless the sermon this morning. Give Dan extraordinary ability to communicate to us, Lord, the lessons that we need to live the Christian life. And we say it in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, as we address this question, what is faith in Jesus Christ? And one of the things we've been doing through the catechism questions is, is uh, we've gone from sin and uh, the picture of hell, the, the need for Christ, and all the things that go with that. And, and uh, as we, we, we move through this, this picture of what, what is salvation, what does it really mean to be saved? Um, one of the things that I just want to throw out at you, you don't have to answer out loud, but have you ever considered just how big the word salvation really is? 
just how big it really is. The word salvation. Um, what does it really mean to be saved? And what are we saved from? Uh, pastor and author John Yates describes the meaning of our salvation as being safe, healed, forgiven, adopted, having been made whole. It's a big word. It means that we are restored in our relationship with God. It means that we are given life with God now, and we are also given the gift of eternal life with God in heaven. Uh, Dr. Dr. Wayne Grudem uh, has a whole series uh, or a whole section on salvation uh, in his systematic theology, and he, he has a list, the order of salvation. I just want to read through it real quickly. Number one, election, God's choice of people to be saved. Number two, the gospel call, proclaiming the message of the gospel. Number three, regeneration, being born again. Number four, conversion, that is faith and repentance. Number five, justification, right legal standing with God. Adoption, membership into God's family. Sanctification, right conduct of life. Perseverance, remaining a Christian. Death, going to be with the Lord. And last ten, glorification, receiving our resurrected body. The, the word salvation is humongous. It is, it is big. It is God's amazing gift to us. It's not something that you and I can earn, uh, even though many will try. It's not something that you and I can achieve, uh, but something that you and I uh, have the ability to receive in Christ. And we need to have a straight, have this straight from the beginning, or we're going to be messed up in our view of salvation. Often, and I know me growing up for myself, that I had a, a very small view, if you will, of salvation. And the more I study and the more I learn, I, I am just blown away. I don't know about you. I am blown away every single day that I get into the Word and I read of God's salvation for me. Amen? I am just blown away by the word salvation, what it means to me and what it means to you and I, what it means to us as a church, what it means to us. But we have to ask the question, so what is saving faith? Um, author John Piper wrote, a, a, I think, a, a great definition of, of faith, and he said it's trusting all that God promises to be, uh, to be to us in Christ Jesus. Let me just read that again. Trusting all that God promises to be to us in Christ Jesus. Well, I just want to kind of flesh through uh, Dr. Piper's uh, definition. Not that I am at the same level that he is at, but, uh, but just, just some thoughts here. So let's just start with, with the idea of faith means trusting. Faith means trusting. Many people think faith means uh, agreeing to, a, to, to certain truths, but faith means a whole lot more of that when it comes to saving faith. We know this because in the book of James, James tells us that even the demons agree with about the truth of God, and they shudder. They believe that there is a God, and they shudder in James chapter 2, verse 19. But it's obvious that they do not have saving faith. Okay? So what is it that the demons are lacking? And here it is, trust. They, they lack trust. Demons agree that God exists, but they do not trust in God for their guidance or their protection. They are relying on Satan, not in God, to secure a satisfying future for us. Uh, one of the songs that we just sung uh, talked about being satisfied, being satisfied in Christ. 
The demons are depending on Satan for that satisfaction. So the question is not just what truths do I agree with, but the question is who do I trust in to secure that, thought, that satisfying future for me? Proverbs chapter 3, verses uh, 5 and 6 uh, say this. Um, it says, uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. So, so trust is so important. Trust in the Lord. So Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6 tell us that, that trusting in, in God is where our is the beginning of our faith. That is where our faith begins. And so as we move from uh, trust, or the question, faith is trusting, then we add the second piece of that, all that God promises to be to us. Now that's quite a statement there. Since faith means trusting God, then we have to ask, um, we have to ask, trust God how? How do we trust God? And the answer is, that we trust God, that we trust His promises that are given to us in His Word. And that is so important for us as you and I go through each and every day. And one of the things that we are reminded of in the, in the book of Romans chapter uh, 4, verse 21, that Abraham is our model of true faith because his faith focused on the promises of God. And, and we find that, we see that, and it says in Romans chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. What an amazing passage as it spoke about Abraham and Abraham's trust in God. And what did God promise Abraham? That he would, that he would conceive a son and that would, would, would produce the nation of Israel. And it didn't come until... Abraham was in his was 90, and, and Sarah was probably close to, 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 well, Abraham was 100, and Sarah was 90. And so we find that faith centers on very specific biblical promises of God. And I just want to read a, a few for uh, us as we move forward, because I think it's so important for us to, to reflect on the promises of God. In John chapter 4, 13 through 14, Jesus is talking with the woman at the, Samar the Samaritan woman at the well, and he said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him uh, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That is the promise that you and I have with eternal life that from within us will spring this, the water of living water of Christ will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We know that, that one of the promises that God gives us is that He will forgive us our sins. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We understand in James chapter 1, verse 5 that, that if we lack wisdom, God says if you would ask, He would give it to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. We understand in Deuteronomy 31, uh, verse 8, that, that God, and God has said this in other passages, that he will never leave you nor for, forsake you. It is the Lord who goes before you. 
He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. God has promised in Matthew 28, verse 20, the last part, that God will always be with us even to the end of the age. Or in first, or Second Peter chapter three, or verse, chapter one, verse three, that He has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. The list of God's promises is extensive, and it is right, and it is true. For in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-one, verse forty-five, it says He will that His that His promises never fail. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel have failed. All came to pass. He has promised to be our God and to be uh, uh, to, to be our God and that we will be his people in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 22, in Leviticus 26, 11, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. As we read through the scriptures, we are reminded again and again and again of the promises of God. And so as we think about this, this phrase that we're working through, Faith means trusting. Faith means trusting all God's promises to be, uh, uh, to be to us. So God has made these promises to us. So trusting in God is crucial. Because trying to have faith without believing His specific promises causes yours and my faith to be weak and vulnerable. And sometimes just fade away as it says, in James chapter 1, verses 5 to 6. In Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verses, verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope not, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Our faith is based on the faithfulness of God, not on your ability to conjure it up, not on your ability to somehow, i got to have more faith. No, our faith is built on the faithfulness of God and His promises to you and I. And how important that is for you and I to hold on to that and to cling to that. So the Bible says that, that, the, that we need to hold up the, the shield of faith in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, that extinguishes every flaming dart of the evil one. Uh, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So faith. Faith means trusting that all that God promises to be to us, here's the last part of that, in Christ Jesus. So that's the whole statement. Faith means trusting all that God promises to be to us in Christ Jesus. Folks, one of the things that, that we have worked our way through in the catechism questions is this. We know that we have all sinned against God and deserve punishment from Him, right? We, we know that. We we have all sinned against God and deserve punishment from Him. So if we deserve punishment, how can God fulfill all His amazing promises to us? And here it is, and we know this, we're, we're working through it as, even as we speak. There's only one way, and that is through Christ's death on the cross. That is the only way that the promises of God can be fulfilled in us is through Christ's death for us on the cross. It's, a, it's, it's astonishing love. It's the mercy of God that, that made a way for our sins to be punished in Christ as He died for us and in our place on the cross. 
So that at that moment that you and I turn from sin and trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, everything changes for you and I. All of our sins are punished in Christ on the cross. And we are no longer condemned, as it says in Romans chapter 1, or chapter 8, verse 1. God continues to forgive all of our sins, as we've mentioned in 1 John chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. God clothes us with Jesus' righteous, uh, perfect righteousness. Even though we are not perfect, God sees us as having Christ's perfect moral goodness, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. That's why Paul, the Apostle Paul, said these words uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20. All of God's promises find their yes in Him. All of God's promises find their yes, their amen, if you will, in Christ Jesus. So salvation begins the moment that God opens up our eyes to grasp how great our need for Christ really is, how great our need for rescue really is. And I just want to say this, and we know this, and, and I want you to understand this as we speak about these components of the catechism. Catechism is not just for us. It's not just so that we confirm our faith, which is very important for us, but it's also that we understand how to share our faith with other people. It's really important for us to see that salvation begins the moment that God opens our eyes to grasp just how far we, we are removed from Him and how desperately we need to be rescued by Christ. And as long as we think that we can save ourselves, that way is closed off. Just closed off. So being saved is like being in the midst of drowning and realizing that you can't save yourself and that someone else has to rescue you. And here's the tough, here's the tough part about being rescued from drowning. You have to relax and you have to stop fighting. Let me just tell you a story, okay? I just need to see if you guys are awake. So when I was in college, I took a, a, a lifeguard training class. And this is life-saving. This is, this is lifeguard training. And so we're in this class, and we got to the point, we'd gone through all the book work, we'd, we knew all the ins and outs, we'd taken all the tests, and now we're in the pool, and we're having to actually practice saving people. Okay, at that point, at PLU, I was wrestling, I weighed 135 pounds. Okay, so my teacher, uh, Gary Ludlam, he, he said, well, Dan, you're going to save Rob. Rob was a 250-pound linebacker on the football team at PLU. He was humongous. He was, he was about six foot two, 250 pounds, and he jumps in the water, and he swims out into the deep end, and he starts thrashing around like someone that's drowning. And Gary goes, go save him. So I jump in, I dive in, and I swim up to him, and I, and I try to, you know, I'm thinking, ah, this is just practice. He'll, Rob's going to play. He'll work with me. No, Rob grabbed onto me with his arms and flailing, and pretty soon, we're both going down. We're going underwater. And I'm thinking, this is not good. I mean, literally, I thought, I don't know if Rob's going to die, but I'm going to die. And so, and then I remembered, okay, I remembered this in the middle of going under. Two things. Number one, he was so big, 
And sometimes you have to do this. I just kind of put my hand on his back. I was underwater. I put my hand on his back and my other hand right in his stomach. And I pushed on his stomach just to push all of his air out. And then I pulled him down underwater at the same time. Then I spun him around. And, uh, and then I was able to put him in the, the proper life-saving hold and bring him, to the, bring him to the side. And Rob said, that was cheating. I go, well, you're alive, aren't you? And, 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 you know, so as we think about, as we think about salvation, as we think about the bigness of it, the grandness of it, the scope of it, the need for it, folks, all of us are drowning. We sang a song last week. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deep within, you know, we were dying. We were in need of rescue. We needed Jesus Christ. That is the picture of salvation. That is the picture that we all need to see. And one of the things that we need to understand about being saved from drowning is that the only way you can really be saved is you need to stop fighting. You just need to relax, which is really hard when you're drowning. Because you're gasping for air, you're gasping, you're grasping for a life. And when someone comes out to try to save you, you're going to hold on to them for all you got. But I'm not Jesus and neither are you. And so when, when we understand that even with Jesus, Jesus says, just stop fighting, stop fighting me. Stop trying to earn your way to heaven. Stop trying to, um, thinking, stop thinking that you're okay. Just just know this, you are deep in sin, you need rescued, and I am your Savior. We have to realize, we have to realize that we are over our head and that we are going down and there is absolutely nothing that you and I can do to save ourselves. My friends, even when we're sharing Christ with people, there comes a point there comes a point when we have to say there is nothing that you can do to save yourself. As we are saved, as we are saved by Christ, through faith, by His grace, we have to understand that, that we have been saved by God's grace through faith. And I'm just going to say this. I believe that grace and faith are a gift. I believe they are a gift from God given to us through God's empowerment, because we were dead. We were dead. Saving faith begins the moment that we realize that the only thing that we can contribute to our salvation is our own sinful nature, which is hard to do when we are dead in our sin. Folks, that, that is the depth of, of, of where we are. What is saving faith? It is realizing that we are that it is all we can contribute to salvation is our own sinful nature. Lord, here I am. That's the, that's the difference between the Pharisee and the publican in the temple. The publican saying, Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm not like everybody else. The publican saying, Lord, forgive me, for I am a sinner. That's the depth of saving faith right there. Saving faith begins the moment that you and I realize that the only thing that you and I contribute to our salvation is our own sinful nature, which is hard to do when we are 
dead in our sin, when we do not have the ability, when we do not have the power, when we do not have the strength to say yes until our hearts are regenerated. Our hearts are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. That God gives us, breathes into us new life so that we can even believe by faith. So God's Spirit regenerates our hearts so that that we can say as the Apostle Paul uh, says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and, and I, I just I just I think of the Apostle Paul writing these words. It's so easy to remove the author from the words. Actually, God is the original author. Paul is writing them, he's reflecting, as he's making this personal. And he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have died with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Did you catch that? It is no longer I that live, that the I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, the life that I now live in my brokenness, the life that I now live in, the, because there's still sin in me, the life that I live here right now, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It is an incredible passage. And as you think about the Apostle Paul's life, these, it, it's so easy to take it out from Paul reflecting back on his own life, thinking about this man who was at the top of his game in the religious circle, thinking about a man who was uh, potentially on the, on the move to the, to the very top, of what we would call the religious circle in Paul's day. And then he comes face to face with Jesus Christ. He comes face to face that he is a sinner. He comes face to face that he is drowning. He comes face to face with the fact that without someone rescuing him, that he is going down never to come up again. That man, that man, the Apostle Paul writes these words, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Folks, that's an exchange of ownership. That's an exchange of who is at the throne of our lives, who sits on the throne of our lives. It is no longer I who sits at the, on the throne of my life anymore, but it is Christ who lives in me. It is Christ who sits on the throne of my life. And the life that I now live in the flesh, the life that you and I now live in this daily walk, this daily walk that we live every day, just a closer walk with thee, that walk, it is no longer I that live in the flesh, but I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Saving faith, saving faith means trusting all that God promises to be to us in Christ Jesus. It's a simple message, folks. It's a simple message. But it's one that we need to be reminded of again and again and again. It's one that we need to, to remember, that we need to take to heart. Even as Jesus Christ said, as we spoke about last week at communion, Jesus gives the bread and the cup, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because we forget. Why is that word even there? Remember, because we forget. We need to be reminded again and again that saving faith means trusting 
all that God promises to be to us in Christ Jesus. John Yates said this, which describes the meaning of salvation as being safe. We're healed. We're forgiven. We're adopted. We're made whole. Our relationship with God has been restored. It means, it means that God has given us life now, eternal life now, as well as given us eternal life to be with Him in heaven forever. That's what saving faith is. That's what you and I have the opportunity to uphold. That's, that's what 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 is telling us when we are ambassadors of Christ, that you and I are to uphold. We are to hold out for the world to see God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to reflect on something that is simple, it is and yet profound. It is basic and yet very complex. Lord, it is it is there for us to to receive. And yet, Lord, for some people, Lord, so hard to accept. God, saving faith, faith that saves is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And we want to say thank you, Lord, for what it reminds us of. And uh, Lord, uh, how we are attached to all of your promises, Lord, from Old to New Testament. God, all of your promises which point us to a Savior, which point us to Jesus Christ, who would ultimately die on a cross, which point to the fact that through Christ's death and burial and resurrection on the cross, Lord, that you and that 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 we, Father, uh, by faith through your grace in us, Lord, have salvation, and we just want to say thank you for that. God, thank you so much for the reminder of what is faith in Jesus Christ. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just stand. We're going to just sing the chorus of just a closer walk.